If you're digging the music that you're hearing as much as I do, then check the link in the description to show our week's sponsor some support. This is Never Giving Up On You by Max Isa. Show her some love and head to that link. I hope you enjoy this little sample of the tune here, but man, you gotta hear the whole song. It is awesome. a good start completely botched the intro let me try it again i'm not going to cut that because we do need to chuckle every once in a while even if it's at my expense hello friends welcome back to another episode of strange places i'm your host billy dean shoemate the third this podcast is brought to you by asylum 817 productions spotify and distro kid and yeah we're here we're back uh thank you guys for not giving me too much crap <laughs> actually no one gave me any crap for wanting to take a, a week off, take a break. You got to have your breaks, man. I've been going at this hard and heavy for quite a long time, this podcasting thing. And breaks are, they're good for your mental health and they help you assess what it is you're doing and what your goal is and what your mission is. And if you go into anything, I don't care if it's painting, podcasting, music, anything artistic or anything that, um, anything like this, any extracurricular, you know, activity, it kind of helps you assess why it is, why you're doing what you're doing. And if you get into anything like this without some kind of a goal, without some kind of a mission, then you're doomed. You're destined to fail. And I got into, we'll, we'll get into it in a second, but I just, you know, it's not very often that I'm this, uh, open <laughs> with you guys. But when I started No Disclosure, which is kind of a weird news podcast, that's been going for six seasons. This started off as kind of an experiment. But, uh, and I'm glad that it grew to become what it is. But a <laughs> little backstory here. I always wanted to be in radio, always. Don Imus, Howard Stern, all the, uh, and now something for a blue Sunday. You know, the old jazz guys back in the day, right? The late night radio. I always wanted to be a radio, like a DJ. I know, I'm, I'm, I'm a sick person. And everybody that I knew that was in radio absolutely hated it. <laughs> it was so corporatized and crappy. Well, anyway, I got an opportunity. Uh, this was about 13, 14 years ago, something like that. I got an opportunity to be the comedy guy at the local station that does the uh, heavy metal rock station here in Paducah. And I showed up to the, uh, they wanted a comedy guy. So I, I showed up to the job interview in a banana suit. Yes, an actual banana suit. I had them rolling. I used to do stand-up. I mean, I that comedy is my thing. Listen to No Disclosure, and you'll see that this is actually the thing that is outside of my comfort zone. I'm a comedy guy. <laughs> I know it's kind of weird hearing this, but I um, 
I got the job. They offered it to me. And they said, okay, now, here are the rules. And I was like, what? And they even said during the interview, they said, we want someone who's going to shake things up. We want the next Howard Stern. We want this. And I said, well, Howard Stern is Howard Stern because he didn't give a shit about your rules. The guy's racked up more FCC fines than anybody in history. And they're telling me what I can't say on the air, what I can't say on the air. And I got to say the time and the, the, you know, the, the weather every 15 minutes. It was just ridiculous. And I, said, I was like, you know what, guys? Dream crushed. I appreciate you offering me the job, but no, this ain't for me. You want somebody to shake things up, but then you want to, no, not happening. So my mission, my goal for crushing my dream, right, was to take down radio. And I don't think No Disclosure is responsible for that. But the death rattle that radio was having, I think No Disclosure played a small part in. And it was that mission. It was that goal. It was that even as petty as something as Revenge or Rage is. It worked. And I'm glad to be here with all of you. And thank you for letting me take my break. It's it's good for your mental health. Anyway, I know it's very rambly, but I, I rarely get open with you guys about me, you know. So let's get into it. On a summer's day in 2006, police in the city of Kiev, 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 oh, I'm going to, Russian. Yeah, we're going to have fun with this one. I can't pronounce anything. Kiev, Ukraine received an unusual call. Pedestrians in the city center reported that there was a young man who seemed to have suffered some kind of a breakdown. The man was obviously distressed, walking from one person to the next, always asking the same question. What is this place? A couple of officers were dispatched to check it out. They arrived to find the man terrified and confused, saying he did not know where he was or how he got there. And that wasn't the only unusual thing about him. The man's clothing was from a bygone era. He was carrying a camera that looked like an antique. Asked to identify himself, he said that he was Sergei Panamarenko. Then he produced an ID card. It was from the Soviet Union, a country that didn't exist for over 20 years. The card listed his year of birth as 1932. You doing some math? That would have, been, that would have made him 74 years old. The guy that appeared to him looked like he was in his late 20s. What date is it? An officer asked Panamarenko. It's April 23rd, 1958, he said. Sergei Panamarenko. He appeared entirely certain of his answer. To the officers, this was a clear indication that this guy was mentally ill. They put Panamarenko into the back of their patrol car. They transported him to the mental ward at the nearest hospital. Here he was examined by a doctor named Pablo Kudrakov, who quickly formed the opinion that the man was delusional. He seemed genuinely convinced that it was 1958. Kudrakov indulged him that fantasy. He asked Panamarenko how he ended up where the police found him. And I quote, It was daytime and I wanted to go for a walk in the city, he said. I took my camera, but when I left my house, I saw a strange object in the sky. It had a bell shape, and it was flying in a strange way. It's difficult to explain. Perhaps you can look at the photos on my camera. Yes, yes, the camera. Kudrakov, he was a bit of a photography buff himself, and he recognized it as a Yashima Flex. This is an old and very rare model, all but impossible to find these days, even in 06. It used a type of film that would require an expert to develop, and so Kadrakov, I, I keep saying Kudrakov, it's actually Kadrakov, called one in. 
He examined the film and said there was something odd about it. According to the label, it was manufactured in 1956. It should have been falling apart by now, yet it appeared to be in pristine condition. That anomaly aside, the photography expert agreed to develop the film. It was now that things got kind of weird. Weirder, I should say. Most of the photographs on the film were street scenes of Kiviv. However, they were not from this current era. The clothes, the cars, the street signs, 1950s, all of it. There were even snapshots of buildings that aren't even there anymore. Among these pictures, there was a shot of Sergei standing next to a woman he identified as his girlfriend. Both were dressed in old clothes. The clothes that Sergei was wearing in the picture were the same clothes he had on when the officers got to him. Odd, yes, but perhaps explainable with a little bit of deductive thinking. The next picture, however, was not explainable. Not even with a massive stretch of the imagination, it showed an object in the sky, a bell-shaped UFO, a classic flying saucer if there ever freaking was one. Asked about the UFO, Sergei explained that the object had suddenly materialized in the sky above his apartment building. He directed his camera and took the shot. Then something happened to me and I ended up here, he said. By now, Kadrikov was beginning to think that he might have misjudged his young patient. Maybe the man wasn't delusional after all. Maybe there was something to this bizarre story. Kudrakov was, I would say, agnostic on the issue of alien life. But he was a man of science. He had a working knowledge of Einstein's theory of relativity. Let's assume Sergei was telling the truth and that he really had been beamed aboard the strange craft shown in this photo. Then his story would make perfect sense, right? I mean... He might have been transported to another part of the galaxy at light speed and then returned to Earth. Time does not pass uniformly in all locations, right? While Sergei was aboard the alien ship, 47 years had passed here. When he returned, he was a man out of his element, out of time. Dr. Kudrakov, he didn't sleep a wink that night as any doctor would, thinking about his time-traveling patient. He was determined to continue his questioning in the morning. He was keen to get to the bottom of this mystery. He was already thinking about the acclaim that this discovery might bring him. You know, not <clears throat> not entirely wrong for thinking that. However, when Kudrakov arrived at the hospital the next morning, there was alarming news. Sergei had disappeared. Hospital security couldn't explain it. There was only one way out of his room, a single door that was monitored by a CCTV camera. They viewed the footage. Sergei hadn't left that way. And neither could he, he could he squeeze through the window, which was barred. He was gone. It gets weirder. As the authorities delved deeper into the story, they found that there was a record of Sergei Ponomarenko. He was declared missing in Kiev in 1960. The police were also able to track down Sergei's girlfriend, the woman in the photo. She was in her 70s. She told them that Sergei had disappeared in 1958, although he'd returned a few days later. Then he vanished again in the 70s, this time for good. She never saw him again. But she received a strange letter several years later. In it, Sergei told her that he was living in the year 2050. The envelope included a photograph that showed an older Sergei with, Kiviv sky, with the skyline in the background. Same city, only it wasn't a skyline she recognized but one that was full of skyscrapers. She still had the photograph in her possession and now showed it to the officers. There was Sergei. 
smiling for the camera with a skyline behind him that would rival Manhattan. The story of Sergei Ponomarenko has been touted as one of the most convincing accounts of time travel ever and the existence of aliens. But is it true? Does a story that has been attested to by a respected psychiatrist and by the Kiviv police pass muster? Does a case supported by photographic evidence satisfy skeptics? Well, based on my research, yes and no. Let's begin with the origins of the Sergei Ponomarenko story, okay? It first came to light when it was, it was featured as a segment on a Ukrainian TV show called Aliens. It was aired in 2012. This was a 10-episode run. It explored extraterrestrials, alien abductions, similar phenomena. Sergei Ponomarenko features in episode 3 in a segment called Time Traveler, which we're going to have to watch. I'm going to have to cut here. Well, I'll, I'll take a gander at it and let you know what I think, if I can find it. The evidence mentioned here formed the backbone of the episode and included the photographs and footage and included scenes of Dr. Kudrakov and Sergei Ponomarenko deep in conversation. This all sounds pretty convincing, they say, until you realize that these are reenactments. Yeah. Yep, found that out. Not conversations between the actual people referenced in the episode. Now, this would bring about some major glaring errors. For example, the security footage showing the room where Sergei was held is date-stamped Tuesday, April 23, 2006. That was a Sunday. Now, there's that picture, right? That I mean, They didn't intake anybody on a Sunday, on Sundays, period. Then there's that picture that shows the intrepid time traveler Sergei in 2050. Closer examination revealed to a lot of the skeptics that one of the skyscrapers in the snapshot was the Empire State Building. Empire State Building. You know, America, right? What does that scream to you? Photoshop. And they said it wasn't a very good one either. Does that mean that the story of Sergei Panamarenko is all a hoax? Well, not necessarily. The producers of the show do not deny that the photographs and the video footage are recreations of the originals. This was necessary, they say, because the originals have been lost. How convenient. It should also be pointed out that the show's producers specifically state in the credits that they are not claiming that the story is true. They're merely stating the facts as they know them and telling a very interesting story. Well, what are those facts? There definitely was a man named Sergei uh, Panamarenko who disappeared in 1960. This is a matter of record. There was a guy named Sergei Panamarenko disappeared 1960. It happened. There definitely is an elderly woman living in the Ukraine who claims that she was Sergei's uh, girlfriend. She saw the UFO that abducted him. She said she saw it. She also claims that she received a letter from future Sergei and reportedly showed it to the show's producers. But this is all stuff that the producers have said. What you believe is up to you. The story of Sergei Ponomarenko's alien abduction and time travel adventures may be a hoax. However, the science behind it is not far-fetched, man. It's not. I mean, think about this. We've known for some time that traveling to the future is possible. Not even in theory. All you need is a spacecraft that goes fast enough. If you travel to the speed of light, or even moderately close to it, you travel to a distant star system and then return to base. The time aboard the spaceship will have passed way slower than Earth. Voila. You land and you're in the future. This idea has been explored everywhere. <laughs> you get, uh, we've done tests like this. You get somebody aboard, a, a crew aboard a, 
a jet that's capable of traveling fast as balls, you know. They, <laughs> they synchronize the watches with the people on the jet and the people on the ground. It's different. Time dilation is a thing, and Einstein knew it. In 2020, there was also a paper published in the journal Classical and Quantum Gravity suggesting that traveling to the past might be feasible. Now, that one is still a really big debate. Future, easy. Past, not so much. The science is based on Einstein's theory of relativity and a concept that Einstein calls a closed time-like curve. Now, this idea is way too complex <laughs> to explore here. But suffice it to say that some very respected scientists believe that it can be achieved again in theory. Look it up sometime. It's pretty interesting shit. Whether it will ever be practical to travel through time remains a matter of conjecture. Maybe in the distant future, humans will crack the code if we haven't already. For now, we're left with theoretical physics and science fiction movies and stories about the Mandela effect, right? <laughs> Nonetheless, we remain fascinated by the idea of time travel, which is perhaps why this story resonates so strongly with so many people. To quote the tagline from a TV show, right? We want to believe. I do. We all want to believe. But there's a problem with this kind of research. And we talk about it every episode. People want it so bad. And I don't blame them. If you look back on all of these episodes that we've done, I've never gotten irritated or angry at people, you know, for wanting to believe stuff so much that they just ignore the evidence staring them right in the face. I think that maybe some people don't have the best intentions and they're, you know, purposely trying to do this for notoriety or fame or whatever, but I think by and large, I, I really do. I, I like to be optimistic about it and say most people do have their hearts in the right place, but they just want it so bad that even something right in front of them. They don't see that freight train coming their way. They don't see it. What teams come to mind when you think legendary basketball? The 1982-83 76ers? The 2000-2001 Lakers? 1990-1991 Chicago Bulls? How about the 1993 Sanborn Eagles? The Oakland, California elementary basketball team? Now don't scoff at the word elementary. This team had one of the most exciting seasons of all time, a 1993 championship run that made them one of the most highly publicized teams at the time. They were featured in the Oakland Tribune newspaper and Cal High Sports Magazine. They were the only team to have their championship game televised by KDOL TV 13. KMEL 106.1 Radio congratulated them on the air. Their historical season caught the attention of the Golden State Warriors. They provided basketball uniforms, basketball camps, clinics for the city of Oakland and Bay Area, and game tickets. But it wasn't just a legendary team. They were a family. As you can imagine, you only go so far as a winner if you just show up to practice, do your thing, and leave. A real sports team knows that they are only as strong as the knots they form with each other. You have one chance in this life, two or three if you're lucky, to best insurmountable odds and carve your name into history. And the Sanborn Eagles did just that, but they did it as a family, as an unbreakable connection that even outside of basketball made them who they are today. This isn't an ad in the true sense, friends. This is a tribute to the 30th anniversary of a truly legendary team 
that deserves to stand at the podium of the greats. The team members now grown are all family and a testament to how being a part of a team can change your life. Happy 30th, fellas, and thanks for the memories. Also, I will be including a link in the description to their YouTube channel. Subscribe and share it with your family and friends. Like and comment if you find their classic basketball videos amazing. I sure do. So, let's dive on Sergey. Let's see what we can find, hmm? Okay, well, I'm hunting around online and I already see a glaring error. I looked up the actual public records here about the missing real Sergei Panamarenko. He didn't disappear in 1960, which is what a million websites are going to tell you. It was 1958, actually, which actually kind of uh, lends credence to Sergei's story. Because if it was 1960, that was kind of off, you know. The actual record says 1958. <laughs> so that actually goes toward it being true. So I want to see if we can track down these photos. Now, there was a YouTuber, I got to mention him. His name is Joe Scott. He delved back into this case, and he came up with an explanation that might put this whole thing to bed, I got to tell you. The picture, purportedly from 2050, was cloned, as they say, and it was the Empire State Building. Now, I know this was kind of an explosive deal, but I want to see this photo. Because this YouTuber is saying, well, it was fun while it lasted, and you know, all this, but no, this is done. Okay, so, okay, here it is. I actually found it. I did not think I would. Is this a Photoshop job? Well, I'm not going to say I'm any kind of an expert or anything like that. But I uh, definitely have had my hand in Photoshop projects over the years. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty proficient. And I got to tell you, this does not look faked to me. I don't know where they're getting this. Because you look for, what you do is you look for uniform pixelation. You want to make sure that the natural pixelation of the surrounding photo matches the subject of what supposedly is there, supposedly isn't there, right? And if you see any kind of off pixelation or anything like that, that's a telltale sign that something's been copied and pasted. So what we're going to do, let's try to find the highest uh, highest quality image of this we can find. And I know you hear me clicky clacking. Let's take this into Photoshop right now as we're recording. Let's do some analyzing on this because at first glance, I got to tell you, this uh, this looks pretty convincing, actually. I don't know why people are saying it so glaringly. I mean, it could be, you know, a lack of my own Photoshop skills. Who knows? So let's uh, bring this photo in. Very dapper-looking gentleman. Nice mustache. Um, I'm not seeing anything that was that looks purposely cut and pasted. The pixelation of the entire photo matches. I don't know why they're saying this is so obvious. I'm not seeing any lines. Hmm. Okay. Can we invert this? Oh, wait a second. Mm, no, that's not conclusive. It's got. It's a pretty low quality photo. I wonder if I can find one that's just a little bit higher. Let me cut here real quick. 
Now, aside from inverting, a good way to tell if a uh, photo if a photo has been faked and not very well is embossing. Emboss the photo, and then it that will bring out you know any major artifacts. Uh, <clears throat> this is bizarre, man. Wait a minute. Let's go back here. I don't know. I'm not I'm not seeing how people are saying this is so glaringly faked. I'm not seeing any pace lines. I'm not seeing any off pixelation. Let's check out this YouTube video and let's see what he used as his evidence because I have the YouTube video right here. So I want to see how he came to that conclusion that it was photoshopped. I want to see his analysis because, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, I'll admit, I'm not the guru of Photoshop. <laughs> you know what I mean? <clears throat> Excuse me. So if there's somebody out there who's more proficient in this than I am, then I will definitely take his word for it. But this boy better bring the goods. Yeah, let me cut here and we'll see. Okay, so I think I found out what the debate was with the uh, photo. I did not find, I think I, that's what kind of got me. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn here, but I'm pretty damn proficient in this. I could spot a fake pretty easily. And I didn't see anything in this photo. <clears throat> Man, my voice is screwed up. Sorry, guys. I didn't find in this anything in this photo that straight up said, oh, this thing is fake. This thing is bullshit. And when I watched the YouTube video, this is the guy that broke that. And it's a very entertaining channel. I really like it. It's, it's, it's cool. I might subscribe, actually. <laughs> I like his presentation. He didn't analyze the photo at all. He just said, all the evidence that we have is from the TV show. Which may be the case. But you don't have any proof that the photos are from the TV show. For all we know, they're from Sergei himself. It looks like Sergei Panomarenko. Or at least the guy that, you know, the uh, cops got. But anyway, I digress. The photo. He didn't examine the photo whatsoever. He just said, oh, it's photoshopped. He didn't fucking examine it. He didn't even emboss it. He didn't blow it up. He didn't put it through different filters. I did. And I don't see anything weird. It's not Kaviv. Because that's obviously the Empire State Building back there. <sighs> so what are we looking at here? That photo, at least as far as my Photoshop proficiency, has not been doctored. I'm willing to I'm willing to put some stake on that too. If you call me out and find something that I missed, <laughs> um, you know, maybe I'll <laughs> maybe I'll send you some uh, <laughs> some merch or something. But it better be good, huh? It better be good. But as far as me, I, I haven't found anything. So let's look at the other evidence, the bell-shaped UFO. Let's see if we can find some pictures of that. Funny side note, there appears to be a figure skater, also named Sergei Panamarenko. So uh, if you ever look for this guy, you're going to find lots of pictures of a uh, figure skater. <laughs> let's try to find that UFO photo. And here it is. Okay, that's the apartment building. That's pretty good. It matches up with the blurriness of the photo. Uh, okay, I do see it. 
All right. They were saying that this here is computer generated. And yeah, I do see it. You get some funny pixelation around there. Okay. So this, okay. So this image was obviously uh, from the TV station. But that, that makes you think, right? If this image is from that TV show, then we have to assume that all the other images are from the TV show. And whoever, I guess, faked that or had some guy just stand in front of, you know, New York skyline or something, that photo is pretty damn good. This UFO photo, though, you guys could have done a little bit better on that. So it's safe to assume that since it, that photo was from them, we know the CCTV footage was reenacted. Yeah, it's safe to say that these photos, even though we don't know for sure, these photos are more than likely from the TV show too. And since we have one faked photo, I wouldn't say faked, you know, it's just for dramatization, just to show you. And we don't have the original photos. Where did they go? The original photos have been lost. So the police here, it sounds like they were taking this whole thing pretty damn seriously. And we hear about bell-shaped UFOs. We hear about, uh, I, I hate to make reference to these utter pieces of filth, but, you know, I, 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 as soon as you heard bell-shaped UFO, an alarm probably went off in your head too, the Nazi bell that they were experimenting on and supposedly was created. We had a bell-shaped UFO that crashed. I think we actually tackled that on this show too. We've seen bell-shaped UFOs before, and they all tie to this area. Communist countries. It just it has that whole zeitgeist about it. You know what I mean? So if somebody mentioned a UFO and wanted to people in that area to really buy something like that, you'd probably say it was bell-shaped. I know I'm stretching, but everything that we have, quote-unquote photographic evidence, it's all from the TV show. Where's the original stuff? Were the cops not taking everything too seriously? Which I, I really don't blame them if they didn't. But if you have an opportunity to, uh, you know what I mean? If a guy who supposedly time traveled shows up, <laughs> you know, and you have an opportunity to investigate that, unless there's some kind of a cover up, which I don't smell cover up on any of this. Our governments are so leaky, you know, something would have come out, something would have at least raised an eyebrow or a flag or something. We have nothing like that. No KGB agents showed up. No one saw a man in black. <laughs> you know what I mean? Nothing like that. Nothing that even hints conspiracy. I don't smell a whiff of it. And no one's even saying that either, which is odd when you think about it. Because usually when you have stories like this, conspiracy is the first word that people want to cry. We don't even get that here. Not even with the armchair investigators, the skeptics and believers otherwise. Isn't that weird? Conspiracy is usually the first thing that they go to. We don't have that here. That's significant. Because all we have is what was created for the TV show. Is this show reputable? I can't find any evidence that it was or wasn't. They just, it was kind of like sightings here in the U.S. or unsolved mysteries. Yeah, they had to dramatize some stuff and they, they were just telling the story. They didn't say that this was true or that wasn't true. Robert Stack himself said he didn't really believe in UFOs throughout the entire show's run. But late in the show, uh, Robert Stack actually said he became a believer after all the evidence that he'd seen over the years. But Unsolved Mysteries even didn't say that these things really happened. They kind of said, you, you be the judge. They just presented it. And it was mostly true crimey anyway, you know what I mean? 
we have so little to go off of. And it all goes back to the show. But I don't see anything that says the show was not reputable or it was reputable. For, for all that I'm gathering, it was kind of like the Unsolved Mysteries. They just presented it. And they reenacted what they reenacted. And they told you to st- the story. And you went with it where you wanted to go with it. That's how it was done. And I could watch it all day long. We could look it up on YouTube. And I could make me some popcorn and you know put on a record and just <laughs> watch it. But do I need to? We get a pretty clear idea of what this thing is. But then the major guy who got... This guy got headlines. This YouTuber. Nothing against you, bud. You did a good job. I love your video. But you made headlines debunking this photo, and you didn't even fucking analyze it? I did. And if this is a Photoshop work, it's a damn good one. Whoever did that, I'd like to hire you. But I think they just got some guy that looked like Sergey or supposed to look like Sergey and took a photo of him in front of the New York skyline. I didn't see anything weird. We have no evidence that this happened. None. Do we have any evidence that this did not happen? There's nothing. There's nothing to say that Sergei Panamarenko was this or was that or was a spy or just ran off and started a new family somewhere or that someone assumed his identity and split. We don't have any of that, too. I don't have anything to debunk it or prove it. And I was looking at this. I was trying to wonder, like... Yeah, we know that the girlfriend is there where she says she is. She was in the photo, but she's 70 now. She said he disappeared. Okay, that lines up. We see a disappeared Sergei Panamarenko. He disappeared in 1958. There's some evidence to suggest that he popped up around 1970, which would corroborate her story. But for all we know, really facts-wise, disappeared in 1958. Did somebody assume his identity? You know what's funny to me? is that no one took a photo of Sergey in custody and then showed it to the girlfriend. Wouldn't that be the first fucking thing you do? And these are cops. That would be the first thing I would do, is take a picture of Sergey right now, today. Is this him? Nobody did that. That bothers me. The woman in the photo does exist. She said Sergey did disappear. What screams to me is that someone took his identity or somebody wanted, you know, some notoriety, you know, or whatever this. I don't know what people think they can gain from stuff like this. Their 15 minutes of fame, like Andy Warhol said. I don't know. I don't think I have a conscience. My conscience wouldn't allow me to do something like that. It wouldn't. If I'm going to get notoriety, if I'm going to get fame, I'm going to do it by my own means, you know. But there's some sick people out there. But I don't want to pin this on this guy. I don't want to do that because we don't know. We don't have any evidence that he assumed Sergey's identity. We, But I just find it odd that no one took a picture of him. And these are cops, damn it. No one took a picture of him and said, is this the guy? They recognize the girl. There's something not lining up here. But unfortunately, we have so little that I'm forced to say this one is inconclusive. We have nothing to prove it or debunk it. The only thing we have that is factual, that is factual, is the account of the doctor that examined him, the fact that he got out of that room and it wasn't captured on CCTV. That's all fine and dandy. Where's the footage? I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying in order to use it as proof, 
I need the damn footage, and we don't have it. So I'm willing to give the doctor the benefit of doubt. Everything he's saying may be true, but it's an account. It's a firsthand account. We need evidence to back that up. That's why firsthand accounts really don't stand up in a court of law because, yeah, they do use it. They use firsthand witness accounts, but in order for it to be really admissible, you got to have something physical to back up that account. And that's why we have so many people being released from 20, 30, 40, 50 year jail sentences who were imprisoned back in the day on nothing but hearsay. We're starting to reverse a lot of that stuff. It should have been happening way sooner than it did. These people should, there's a lot of innocent people that have been released from jail because of this. And now we're very mindful, or at least they say they are, (laughs) very mindful to have actual physical evidence backing up those firsthand accounts because they just don't wash. And it's nothing against the doctor, nothing against him, Kudrakov, nothing against him. We don't have anything to prove or debunk this. So let me know what you think. Sergei Ponomarenko, huh? <laughs> it's a, oh, it's, it's an interesting one. And I'm, I'm really, I'm glad we did this one. It's uh, it was pretty cool to dive into. So let me know what you think, huh? Special thanks to this week's sponsors who make this show possible. Make sure to check out our Patreon page in this episode, where is the description? If you're listening to this on YouTube uh, or you just want to head there, patreon.com slash asylum817. That's patreon.com slash asylum817. Little less a dollar a month and get everything from bonus episodes, ad-free episodes, giveaways of certain tiers, outtakes, bloopers, a podcast just for the patrons. Yeah. Special thanks to the patrons, by the way. The Conkle Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, Dillagaff. I appreciate you guys. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day, we'll visit yours. Special thanks to this week's sponsor, Dr. Cliff Burt and Friends Sports Talk, featuring the best in women's sports and HBCU athletics. Woman of the Month in Review 2023, Woman Executive of the Week, Amy Brooks, NAIA and NCAA D1, D2 and D3 Volleyball Championship Updates. Women CIAA, SIAC, and Division I basketball updates, MEAC, SWAC, and CIAA bowling updates, NCAA Division II football playoff updates, NCAA Division I top 10 update and early national championship playoff picture, NFL Week 13 updates, HBCU men's basketball updates, CIAA and SIAC, DI men's basketball update, NBA updates. Does any of that sound awesome to you? Well, check out the link in this episode's description and show them some love.